0: How was Malik Faisal Akram allowed to enter the country when the UK, I'm talking about the Islamic jihadist, the terrorist monster who attacked the Reform Temple in Texas, the UK, how was he allowed to get into the United States? I mean, how did the Biden administration let him in when the UK was well aware that this man was a possible Muslim terrorist, radical Islamic terrorist? He was literally investigated for being a terrorist suspected by British intelligence services. How was he not on a no-fly list? I mean, this man got a visa. He was banned from a court in England Years ago, it was the first time in 25 years that anyone was banned from a court in England because of comments that he made about 9-11. He he was under investigation, as I said. Uh, It's very simple. He was a radical lunatic. A man like this is well known to authorities he should never have been allowed into the United States. But the answer is that the, the Biden administration is completely incompetent. The immigration people, whoever's supposed to be making these decisions, are just totally, totally clueless. Then you have the FBI saying that this man was not targeting Jews. The man leading the the FBI investigation, this is egregious, he said that... This man was not targeting Jews. The attack was not related specifically to the Jewish community. Are you kidding me? He wasn't targeting Jews. This man entered, as I said, a Jewish temple on Shabbos. He held four Jews hostage. He demanded the release of a certain terrorist who was a known anti-Semite. But it was all coincidence, right? I mean, it could have just as easily... Been a group of Hindus that he was attacking. And let me just say this to the mainstream media. This man was not a hostage taker. He didn't detain. The AP says that he detained several people. He didn't detain people. Stop calling him a hostage taker. This man, I keep seeing that over and over again. Hostage taker, hostage taker. He was a terrorist. He was a terrorist. Even Biden finally said it, even though in the beginning Jen Psaki uh, you know, kind of overlooked those details, but he was a terrorist. He was a jihadist. He was a a radical Muslim. I mean, all of the above. He wasn't uh, someone who detained several people. The media there water everything down. They, they at one point they were describing him as somebody with a British accent, but avoided any did anything possible to avoid calling him a member of Islam. So uh, we're going to get to all of that coming up. President Trump and Baruch Hashem, I mean, the good news is that nobody was hurt other than the attacker himself. President Trump is clearly going to run again in 2024. I mean, it is so clear. He can't talk about it. He keeps saying because of, you know, campaign funding laws or whatever, campaign finance laws. I mean, I am quite, quite confident that Trump is going to run. He needs to do it. He just he's so competitive And he wants to win so badly. And he's watching Biden completely collapse and crumble and fall apart. And of course, all that is going to benefit Trump or whoever wins the nomination. I think Trump is going to win the primaries, hands down, if he runs. Because think about it. He has such a loyal base. He just held a rally the other day. We're in Arizona. I mean, we're going to get to some of this de- the details about it and uh, a little bit, a little bit, not too much. We have so much else to get to. Droves of people. I mean, thousands and thousands of people, almost as far as the eye could see the media in the pictures, as always. They try to minimize and diminish the the, the, the throngs of people there. But I mean, Trump has these just adoring followers everywhere that the man goes And I just don't believe that anyone else... Look, I'm a huge fan of Ron DeSantis and, of course, of Ted Cruz and Nikki Haley. I mean, they're all going to be running in the primaries. But like, you watch Trump, I mean, what was it, like 17 candidates, and he just crushed all of them. Nobody really could even come close. Is Chris Christie going to run again? I mean, come on, he doesn't have a chance. And um, here's the thing, is Trump, he's just different than all the other candidates. As much as you'll find nuances, but like, let's be honest, you know, how do you choose versus DeSantis, Ted Cruz, or Nikki Haley? I mean, yes, they're all super conservative, but like, they have enough similarities and there's enough of an overlap that they, no one of them really stands out as like somebody who's just going to just literally just grab like millions and millions of people and just they're enthralled with him like Trump because they divide the conservative vote. And Trump is so unique. You know that Trump has many followers who are not even conservative with Trump. You know, there are actually an overlap. There's people who support Bernie Sanders, but also support Trump. I know it's like really hard to believe because it's a certain it's not about the politics Believe it or not there's many many voters out there not the majority but a lot who it's about like just crushing the establishment it's about winning and uh so Trump he r- he riles up his base and the way he bashes the media the way he bashes people within his own party the way he bashes his own staffers because Trump he's not and he'll, like turn on somebody like one day after after he was like their biggest fan because he doesn't like the rules, he hates the establishment, he hates the swamp, and people worship him. All right, has anybody noticed that Vladimir Putin is like busy quietly trying to reassemble the Soviet Union? And Biden had a major blunder. Biden held a press conference for the first time in I don't know how many months. The man never holds press conferences. And, uh, we may get to more details about that next time because that's kind of breaking news. But, but Biden. He was asked about what if Putin invades Ukraine, and Biden really messed up, and the White House then you know immediately put out a statement clarifying. Because Biden basically said the question is are you going to retaliate against Putin if Putin invades Ukraine and Biden basically said, "Well it depends it depends if it's like a major invasion like a large invasion or if it's just like a minor incursion implying that like then they wouldn't retaliate there'd be no retaliation Putin basically he inviting him Biden is basically inviting Putin hey you can you can do this minor incursion into Ukraine what are you I mean that's just absurd so the White House cleaned it up clearly Biden No surprise there, did not have any idea what he was saying. But the point is that Vladimir Putin, he's trying first, remember Crimea, Georgia, and now they're threatening Ukraine. Putin's like building up like all these tanks and all all these troops like on the border with Ukraine, clearly threatening to invade. And there have been all these cyber attacks between Russia and Ukraine. So like, Vladimir Putin is reassembling the Soviet Union. I mean, he's an imperialist, and he is like, building up Russia back into like the superpower that we, that basically like another Soviet empire. And he knows that right now, between Biden and between NATO and between the EU, all these gutless, uh, you know, uh, cowards here who are running the, who are running the planet, There's nobody who's going to stop Putin, just like China. They know that they could basically do anything they want because now Trump is not around to stop them. So it's pretty terrifying. All right, we now have absolute proof, irrefutable proof that the CDC forcing people to wear masks was political theater. I hate to say it because I do believe in masks. I do believe that there are scenarios— I don't think it should be a cloth mask, which we now know is facial decoration. I think it should be an N95 mask or a K95 mask or better yet. Ask an expert. Don't even ask me because it's not like I know about masks. All I know is that I, I never thought cloth, cloth masks really do very much, and now we have it confirmed. But the problem is it's just all about politics and not about science, and we're going to read you an op-ed a little bit later you know, that really makes some great points about the the CDC. The CDC has now totally changed its guidelines, essentially agreeing to Rand Paul, not that they're admitting, not that they're apologizing to Rand Paul, but they're saying that cloth masks do very, very little, virtually nothing. And and certainly a person who's high risk should never rely on them. But the CDC for, for almost two years was telling us that cloth masks were basically mandatory, or basically you can get away with, they didn't say cloth mask is mandatory as opposed to K95, obviously, but that was the choice that most people were making because it was the simplest, uh, you know, to get a hold of and the, and the most reusable. Alright, so this horrific attack in Texas, and here's the lesson, we say this again and again, is that every large crime is preventable. Virtually every large crime, every time there's a mass shooting, anytime there's a terrorist attack, not anytime, not anytime. Sometimes it just happens out of the blue. But more often than not, we've seen this again and again where authority, and especially if it's somebody coming from a foreign country, uh, these, these, these are prevent, these attacks can be prevented because these people are on the radar of law enforcement. This man, as I said, MI5, the British Intelligence Service, this man, Akram, he, uh, Malik Faisal Akram, he was investigated as a potential terror threat by MI5, the British Intelligence Service. That happened recently. That happened in the last couple of years. And at that point, and you'll say, well, they closed the case. Yes, they suspected, but they couldn't find any proof that he's an actual terrorist. I don't care. I don't care. Like I always say, to get allowed into the U.S., if you're a foreigner, then you need to, the burden of proof is on you. It's not like you get the same freedoms as if you're actually a U.S. citizen, somebody born in the United States, in which case, you know, you're innocent until proven guilty. I say if you're coming from the outside, you're not innocent until proven guilty. I'm not saying you're guilty until proven innocent, but you've got to prove it. You've got to prove that you deserve to be led into the United States. So to me, well, what if somebody's investigated for being a terrorist, but they know, it's inconclusive? Well, then they can't come into the United States. It's very, very simple. If you've ever been – you have. You want to come into my country, you you want to potentially endanger American citizens, we need to know. You've got to be squeaky clean. So if there's ever been an investigation – I'll tell you, I don't think I've ever been investigated – uh, to, to, to determine whether or not I'm a terrorist. I, 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 can't say that with 100% certainty, but I'm 99.9% sure that nobody has ever investigated me. Has anyone ever investigated Yakov M? Maybe he's a radical terrorist. I just don't believe it ever happened. So they don't say that kind of stuff about you and me. So if a person has been investigated in, into possibly being a terrorist, that's it. He's on the no fly list. He's not allowed into the United States, period. But this man, it's much further. He was, you know, he had a criminal record, according to his brother. He was branded a a, a menace in the UK for expressing his his desire to be on board one of the planes uh, on nine eleven. He actually expressed a desire; he wished he had been on one of the nine eleven planes. Uh, so at, at that point, he was branded a menace in the UK. That's it. You're disqualified. This man was given a very rare thing: an exclusion order at the Blackburn Magistrate Court. The Blackburn is the name of. The city he's from in, in in England, and this was the first time in 25 years someone was given given an exclusion order uh, at that court, where basically it means that he was banned from the court. Now it's not easy to get banned from that court. He was raving about 9 11. He essentially said that he wanted one of the court ushers. He wished that one of the court ushers had been on one of the 9 11 planes that actually you know flew into those buildings. Of course, the 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 the, the twin towers and. And the Pentagon. And there was one, of course, that was headed for Washington, D.C., I guess, either the Capitol or the White House. So how was he allowed in? How could TSA, how could immigration, how could the Biden administration let this man in to the United States? It is inexcusable. I'll read you here a quote from an op-ed. Quote, American travelers put up with a vast amount of security theater, millions of man hours lost each year to unpredictably long TSA lines, intrusive pat-downs, the whole Take off your shoes and belt, rigmarole. Yet the vast security apparatus cannot screen out a mentally ill Muslim extremist. I mean, it's just—it's just, it's just a certain one who had been banned from a UK court after ranting about 9/11. So, a great point. You know, here we we go through so much. I mean, there, there's just all that security. There there are just so much that people have to go through in order to get through security. And you say to yourself, well, look, is it fun? Is it pleasant? You got to get to the airport early, and it's a huge hassle, and you have to wait in line, and it's annoying. But you know what? It's worth it. It's worth it because if it prevents one attack, if millions and millions of uh, 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 of air travelers have to suffer. Through security, but you know what? You sit there saying it's for the greater good because hopefully it's preventing an attack. And if it prevents one attack, it's worth it for literally, literally tens of thousands of flights around around the country to go through the whole TSA screening process. I remember how it was pre nine eleven. Oh boy. I mean you could just hop on a plane. I mean it's like uh well, but I have a I have a bomb in in my suitcase. Oh no, no, it doesn't doesn't matter. That's okay. Just make sure you don't detonate it, get on the plane. I'm exaggerating slightly, but you get my point. And, uh, yeah, box cutters, no problem. Bring the the box cutters onto the plane. So it's been a dramatic turnaround. And, well, but it's worth it because it prevents, uh, terrorists from getting into the United States or from getting on a plane. Well, but if it doesn't do that, then what? Is the whole thing a sham? And I'm not saying it's a sham, but it's got, it's got, they've got to do a better job. All right. Uh, so like I said, every major crime, potentially, I mean, this, this happens with these mass shootings, right? Where we'll find out that. That the, that the shooter was actually reported to the FBI. There's always somebody. I mean, well, this man's like he's got a stockpile of guns in his apartment. Well, unless nobody's visited his apartment for many, many years, I mean, any relative or anybody who just comes in to deliver something might notice, well, what are all those AK-47s doing in his living room type of thing? And and you'll say, well, they maybe they hide it, but they don't. They don't because so many of these mass shootings, we documented this where, um, the FBI or some other law enforcement agency, they were actually informed. Somebody called up and told them they did some kind of bogus sham investigation. I'm not saying always, but frequently. And, uh, they, and then, you know, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't turn anything up. So they decided not to, not to pursue it. And part of the issue, by the way, is that, uh, nobody ever gets credit for like, Preventing a mass shooting. In other words, the FBI goes. Somebody reports that their cousin, their brother, their relative, their strange uncle, you know, has a bunch of guns and uh, has a bunch of ammunition and is and explosives and is planning to, you know, carry out a mass shooting. And the FBI goes and 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 investigates and they actually arrest the person. That's never going to make the nightly news, right? That's never going to make the front page. Oh, look at the, you know, the the 10 mass shooters that were arrested by the FBI. So we certainly don't give them enough credit, but that's part of it. Part of it is that, like, you know, sometimes it's not worth the hassle so much because, well, what are the chances this person's going to anyway carry out an attack and they're not going to be a lot of fanfare? Not that they're looking for the fanfare, but that's the bottom line. The bottom line is, you know, if you do all these wonderful things, you don't get any credit for it. It, it certainly it, it de-incentivizes it. Let's just say it that way. All right. In other news, the daughter of a former Iranian president, this is fascinating, she actually, she blasted the Iranian regime, the evil Iranian terrorist empire. The daughter of a former Iranian president, this is the daughter of President Rafsanjani. President Rafsanjani was the president long before Ahmadinejad. He was the president of Iran back in, back in the 90s. And his daughter Hashemi Rafsanjani she actually says Iran has killed more Muslims than Israel and amazing that she spoke the truth. I, I apparently she's still in Iran. I'm not I didn't verify that, but it sounds like she actually she was talking to an to an Iranian media outlet um in an interview and I I don't guarantee this, but it sounded like she actually lives in Iran although then I, if I were her I'd watch her back, you know, taking on the regime this way. She said some, some pretty shocking, very very true but very very stunning comments here Hashemi Rafsanjani um who's a former journalist and she actually was part of the Iranian parliament at one point she said Iran has killed more muslims than Israel now it's a 100% fact it's it's not disputable don't tell the mainstream media cuz they're never going to report this but Iran has killed Infinitely more, exponentially more Muslims. How could you say that? Iran, the Iranians have killed exponentially more Muslims than Israel, and it it, it it's like it's totally indisputable. And now we have uh, uh, literally the daughter of a former Iranian president, and and her father was no question he was involved in in killing Muslims. But anyway, so she eventually was was imprisoned for anti regime activity. And, uh, she said that Iran was involved in the killing of, in the murder of half a million Muslims in Syria, thousands of Muslims in Yemen. And she said, it's highly unlikely that Israel has killed a hundred thousand Arabs or 200,000 Arabs or Palestinians. So she says, we have killed more Muslims than Israel with our wrong policies. And, and it's, it's, as I said, it's a hundred percent true. She said that Iran's new president, Ibrahim Raisi, which, who is the, the butcher of Tehran, He's the butcher of Tehran. That's Iran's president right now. She says he's just a front man. Quote, there are others who puppeteer him from behind the scenes, influence his decision making. And she said that the election of, which we knew this, we told you this, uh, Raisi's election was rigged. Everything was preplanned. She said anything that could possibly have prevented his election was taken out of the way. This is a bombshell. So why is the mainstream media not reporting this, that you have the daughter of uh, – you have a huge former politician in Iran, the daughter of the former president of Iran, uh, who's been around for many, many decades, saying, oh, yeah, we've killed hundreds of thousands of Muslims, way, way more than Israel. Oh, right, because she's not bashing Trump. See, if she's not bashing Trump, the mainstream media is not interested, even though she's saying these, these horrible, horrible, yet very, very true things, scathing things about – Iran, by the way, Joe Biden is helping Iran develop a nuclear weapon right now as they as they've concluded what their eighth round of talks and gotten nowhere and literally under Biden's watch the Iranians are this close and you can't see my fingers right now but like they are so incredibly close months away, possibly weeks away from a nuclear bomb. They also have the ICBM missiles that are nu- that, that are nuclear capable that they can literally slap a bomb onto long-range missiles. It's 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 terrifying. I mean, no exaggeration there. It's horrific, and Biden's an accomplice. And what does he do? What's he doing about it? He's blaming Trump. I mean, like if Iran wipes out a city, Chasfesholom somewhere, I mean, what Biden's going to say? Well, we feel bad about this. If Biden even understands what's going on, he'll say we feel bad about this. But but look, it's Trump's fault, and he's going to blame Trump. I mean, did Trump blame Obama? Obama left. As big a mess, I mean, you talk about the border, you talk about foreign policy, there were so many areas where Obama left just such a mess for Trump. And did Trump blame Obama? I mean, he certainly bashed Obama for it, but he did, did he sit there and pass the buck and say, well, it's Obama, or did he fix it? Did he say, listen, I, I, I don't care who made this mess, I don't care who created this problem, we got to solve this problem. All right, two more Democrats are now retiring from Congress. In other words, they're not going to run for re-election in the House This coming November. So that's a total of now 28 and and more to come. But 28 Democrats in the House, in Congress, are not going to be running for re-election because they know. They stuck their finger in the wind. They saw the direction that things are blowing here. And they know that they're toast if they try to run in November because, you know, that we're looking at a potential massive Republican sweep here as hopefully they will flip the House Back Republican. I mean, the Republicans could have a huge margin in the House. You could have 25 or 30 or dare I say even 35 or 40 uh, in terms of the Republican margin over the Democrats. All right, I'm being slightly optimistic, but it could be a very, very wide margin if you look at the way things are trending right now. And of course, it's all backlash because Biden is the worst president in history. Worst president, worst first year of a president that anybody could possibly imagine Yet another flip-flop for Mayor Eric Adams, New York City Mayor Eric Adams. I mean, this man, like, I'm seeing more and more de Blasio 2.0. I mean, this is not good. Eric Adams, not good. He flip-flopped on allowing illegals to vote. And, of course, he flip-flopped on remote learning in schools. One day he's saying that there will be no remote learning in in schools. They're not going to let COVID interfere with education anymore. And then the next day he's saying, well, actually – We are going to go back to remote learning in schools. And I'm negotiating with the UFT, United Federation of Teachers. He's negotiating with the teachers' union. So yet another Democrat in the pocket of the teachers' unions at the expense of the children. No surprise there. He hired his brother to a top position in the NYPD. There might be an ethics violation. He might have to fire his brother. But he actually appointed his brother to a top security position. And what was his brother's experience, you might ask? Well, well, maybe his brother— You know, maybe he had years and years of a resume that would warrant being like one of the top people in the NYPD. No, actually, he's been an assistant parking director. I don't even know what that is, by the way. But in in, in Virginia Commonwealth University, Eric Adams' brother, Bernard Adams, has been the assistant director of parking. Not even the director of parking. According to his LinkedIn page for the last 10 years in some Virginia college, the assistant director of parking. Well, let's give him this job that earns over $200,000 $200,000 a year. And of course, uh, Eric Adams is supporting Alvin Bragg, the leftist DA who basically says he doesn't want to put anybody in jail. Look, look, you have to look where they're coming from. Look, it, It's not their fault, it's their upbringing. So yes, they might have committed armed robbery, but you can't put them in jail for that. Anyway, so Eric Adams, he flip-flopped again. He says he's not taking the subway to work because he does not feel safe. And there have been these ho- horrific stories of like, homeless people and deranged people pushing people onto the tracks and really, really very frightening stuff. Eric Adams, he, he originally was going to take the subway to to, to to work every day in Gracie Mansion. Now he says uh, that he's not he's not taking the subway to work every day. He says that uh, he, he doesn't feel safe on the subway. Well, one second over here. How about the – so number one, it's a flip-flop. Number two, how about the millions of New Yorkers – I mean this is what the mayor is saying. The mayor who's supposed to be the one – who's keeping the city safe, he says, you know what? I changed my mind. I thought the subway system was safe, but it's not. So I'm going to take, what, a bus? What, are you going to take a cab, a limo? I'm sure he's going to get driven there. The man has security detail, right? I mean, the man has a motorcade, so he's going to take the motorcade, right? So it's like, well, what about all the millions of commuters, all the millions of people who are taking the subway where you don't feel safe? This is Well, that's really comforting. Well, the mayor says, I don't feel safe, so I'm going to take My motorcade with my security detail to work every day. Well, what about all the other commuters? Well, you guys are stuck because you're not the mayor. You don't have your own personal security detail. That's not what he's supposed to be saying. Hello, how is that going to reinforce confidence? Great. So he's giving up. The city's not safe enough for him. He doesn't feel safe in the city. Well, you're the mayor. I mean, if you don't feel safe in the city, then we're all in big trouble over here. How about saying, listen... I don't feel safe, so I'm going to make the subway safer. How about saying, listen, I'm confident I'm going to figure out a solution to this right now. I mean, you're literally telling people, yeah, I have no problem with you guys taking the subway every day. You guys meaning tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of commuters taking the subway every day. But it's not safe enough for me, but it's safe enough for you. You guys are on your own. I mean, are, are you you can't make this stuff up. Vice President Kamala Harris is going to Honduras to address the root cause of the border Crisis. Here we go again. I mean, the root cause of the border crisis is uh, by, by, by the way, Kamala Harris. She is a disaster. I mean, it's it's like she makes Joe Biden look like I don't know Lincoln. I, I mean uh, Alexander Hamilton, Thomas Jefferson. You name it. She, she makes Biden look like Trump. I mean, I mean Kamala Harris. She is such a nightmare. Like the vice president doesn't need to do anything. They don't actually have any job. And, and yet, despite that, she has like turned off the whole country. Like, like, like I'm talking about Democrats. Democrats, they they can't stand Kamala Harris anyway. So she is going to address the root cause because somehow the root cause of the border crisis is is Honduras. If you fix Honduras, which is not true, because even if you throw money at Honduras, the you know the government, the corrupt government there, I, I mean, they're just going to pocket the money. So it's not going to do anything. But we know the whole thing is just a show, a sham, a dog and pony po- show. But the root cause of the border crisis is the fact that Biden's like the worst president ever, is the fact that Biden, you know, he's released over 500,000 illegals into the country. In just one year, Biden has released over over 500,000 illegals into the country. The root cause is very simple. Trump resolved the border crisis. Trump fixed the border, single-handedly remained in Mexico. He built part of a wall. Trump fixed the border, and then Biden decided— he was going to reverse all of Trump's great border policies. Well, what happens if the border is secure and you reverse all the policies that made it secure, then you make the border into a disaster. That—that That is the root cause, plain and simple. Uh, bombshell story. Biden was told in January of 2021, so way back last year, Biden was told that the Afga- that the Afghani military would collapse, that as soon as the U.S. pulled out, um, the military would collapse. So... You know, the the Biden administration pretended that it was a surprise that the Afghani military collapsed. But it wasn't a surprise. Maybe Biden was surprised because if they told him in January and the pullout happened months later. So maybe, who you know, who knows if Biden actually remembered what they told him back in January. But but kidding aside, I mean, the military knew there, there was literally we found this out through a Freedom of Information Act um, release. There were documents released under the FOIA Act. And uh, one of the a special inspector general in the DoD basically submitted a report to the administration saying that the Afghani air Force would collapse and could not survive a, a, an American pullout and without air support the ability to, to 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 for military dominance by the Afghani military was impossible so literally they submitted a report obviously the Biden people didn't like the report because it contradicted what they wanted it to say so they just ignored it and buried it. But we now have it, thanks to the Freedom of Information Act. Not that the media is going to spend too much time reporting this, obviously. But they knew, they knew, and and, and the whole pullout—you know—the way it, the the, the planning—it was just a total, total train wreck. It was done as badly as it possibly could have been done. They gave up the air for the Bagram Air Force Base, early on, and they left all—they left you know hun- hundreds of millions of dollars, or hundreds, tens of billions of dollars. In tanks and in artillery and just all sorts of weapons they left there for the Taliban to seize. But they knew. They knew that the Afghan military would collapse. Uh, we told you Trump, very, very popular. Um, he, he had massive, massive crowds at a rally he held in Arizona. Um, and he said that, uh, he pointed out to the crowd, he said that the media specifically didn't turn the cameras on the crowd. They, the media, they, 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 they take videos of these rallies in a way They try to they like position the camera in a way that you're not going to be able to see the crowd. But there were pictures that made it very clear that like, I mean, people, there were crowds of people who were huddled together. And it looked like thousands, if not tens of thousands of people. So he's as popular as ever. Finally, op ed in The Federalist entitled CDC finally admits cloth masks were always political theater. And as I said, I'm not anti-masks. Anyone who's listened knows that I've never, ever been anti-mask. But how can you deny the fact that the CDC? I mean, they're not, it's not about the science because whatever, whatever study they're going to quote now saying cloth masks are ineffective, that study's been around for six, eight, or ten months. And people like Rand Paul have been saying cloth masks are ineffective and it's dangerous because there were high risk people walking around thinking that they were being protected by cloth masks. Well, now the CDC admits, well, that, 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 that they weren't. Well, where have you been for the last, Two years. How, how, how could, I mean, at the very best, it's total incompetence to tell people to wear the kind of mask that then you discover doesn't work. So, like, how many people did you hurt in the process? You've got to step away. You've got to, if you're the ones who are supposed to be preventing disease and you're not preventing disease, you know, whether you're corrupt, whether it's all political, which I suspect it is, or whether you're just incompetent, none of those are good enough excuses. You've you've got to, you know, Re- Rochelle Walensky should be resigning. But uh, let me read you some quotes here from this op-ed. When the Federalist ran the headline, many studies find that cloth masks do not stop viruses like COVID. Back in November of 2020, lead stories, that's the name of the publication, attempted to fact check the piece, slapping a red masks work label over a screenshot of the original article. The fact check even cited data from the CDC about the effectiveness of the effectiveness of masks against COVID where the CDC insisted, quote, cloth masks not only effectively block most large droplets, but they can also block the exhalation of fine droplets and particles. Cloth mask materials can also reduce wearers' exposure to infectious droplets through filtration. Yet the same CDC quietly admitted Friday the thin cloth masks The agency and its corporate media allies spent the last two years cheering actually provide the least protection against COVID. It was the first time the CDC has explicitly addressed the relative ineffectiveness of cloth masks, According to the New York Times, the latest reversal in a long, this latest reversal in a long line of trust eroding flip-flops means a victory lap is well deserved by people like Senator Rand Paul, who was censored by YouTube for suggesting that cloth masks don't work and N95s do. It is also deserved by everyone who refused to hang a piece of useless fabric from their ears at every restaurant, store, and airport for the sole purpose of fitting into the popular political narrative. And then it goes on to basically say, that what's the next step? The next step is that they're going to try to impose uh, an N95 mask mandate. Now they're going to say, listen, cloth masks are no good, so we're still going to mandate the masks, but it's going to be an N95. And they're saying that kindergarteners are now going to have to put an N95 mask on. Um, and essentially, this op-ed says, quote, Yes, N95s are more effective than cloth masks, and we've been saying that from the beginning. Hazmat suits are more effective, too, but that does not mean we should all walk around the grocery store like we're in a post apocalyptic world of toxic fumes. And essentially they say, you know, that there's got to be some acceptance of risk and you've got to resume normal life and you kinda have to judge a situation that you're in. And 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 they point out, they say if you've got the sniffles and you're going to visit your grandmother and she's in assisted living or she's immunocompromised and or you're going to be exposed to people high risk, but you've only got the sniffles, or maybe even if you got less than the sniffles, then yeah, put on an N ninety five. But if you're sitting in a classroom and you're with a bunch of young people, uh, you know, then different story. And you and you got to kind of, you know, figure each situation out, take it case by case. It's not like uh, an all or nothing blanket rule. That's going to do it for today, and we will see you next time.